You are listening to the Salvation Army Disaster Radio, covering all things related to emergency management, disaster services, and the Salvation Army. It's ICS Hendecagon Part 7. On today's episode, it's all about another command staff function, liaison and the position of the liaison officer. The liaison officer, Christy, is the Salvation Army's representative to other disaster relief groups, including government agencies and community and volunteer organizations. This position is responsible for initiating contact and maintaining connections between the Salvation Army and these other groups. And it's the role of the liaison not just to share information, but to also collaborate and build cooperative partnerships between agencies. The word liaison is obviously of French origin and literally means a union or binding. The military was one of the first to use liaisons in the early 1800s, specifically to encourage cooperation between the various service branches and allied nations. Usually an organization embeds a liaison officer in another organization to provide face-to-face coordination. Just like, as you'll see, the typical Salvation Army liaison isn't spending their time seated alongside a Salvation Army Incident Command Team. More often, the liaison officer is serving in a government emergency operations center, interfacing directly with the government agencies represented there. But to really understand the liaison function, you do have to know a little bit about how the emergency management system works. So Jeff, dish the dirt. Emergency management in America, how's it work? Well, Christy, the most important paradigm to know in U.S. emergency management is this. All disasters are local. And what that means is that disaster response starts in your town or your neighborhood. And the first people to come to uh, your assistance in an emergency are going to be your local police, your local fire, and your local emergency management agency. If they happen to get overwhelmed, then they call up to the next level. Uh, That may be neighboring towns, um, or it may eventually rise up all the way to the level of the state. And that's where you bring in state emergency management. It's not until the state as a whole is overwhelmed before you reach up to that federal level and ask for federal assistance. Sounds like there's a lot going on, and coordination of that could be confusing. Yeah. Now, to coordinate all these different levels of responders, um, and perhaps more importantly, to assess whether or not you've got adequate resources on hand to handle that uh, incident, that emergency, you do need some kind of command post. You need some kind of center of gravity to control this operation, kind of like the human body. You know, you've got eyes, nose, ears, mouth, all collecting sensory input, and you've got hands and legs moving around around, but without a brain, it's all just kind of spasms and confusion. And in emergency management, that brain is what we call an emergency operations center, or an EOC. Exactly. Now, these county EOCs are basically um, big rooms. Some of them are even underground, kind of these hardened installations. And they have a bunch of tables uh, facing a big kind of, we call it the Captain Kirk desk, where, you know, there's all these monitors uh, monitoring situations and what's going on. And everybody in that room at all those different tables represents a different emergency management function. Police, law enforcement, medical, all of those folks have a seat uh, at these tables. And as the disaster progresses, information flows into the EOC from on-site responders. Police officer calls in and says, wow, there are 12 houses underwater in this neighborhood. That flows into the EOC and is processed there. 
And so the liaison officer really has four major responsibilities in the EOC. First, they have to be able to explain what resources the Salvation Army brings to the table. Many EMAs don't know much about the Army. So if you walk in as a Salvation Army liaison, they might be very educated to know that we have 100 mobile feeding units, or what we call canteens, in the area. Previously, maybe they thought that only the Red Cross did that. Second, liaisons have to be able to intercede during those conversations where resources are requested. For example, if law enforcement needs someone to feed some police officers, that's where the Army can step in and help, and it's up to the liaison officer to make, make that known. By the same token, Christy, a good liaison has to be careful not to overcommit. All of our Salvation Army mobile feeding units, in your example, may be busy. So the liaison needs to check back with the incident command before making that commitment. The easiest and quickest way to destroy your credibility as a liaison officer is to make promises to the EOC that you can't keep. Absolutely. The third responsibility a liaison has within the EOC is to process requests or, uh, for resources or other forms of assistance from the Salvation Army. For example, we're setting up a big feeding kitchen, and obviously at the end of the day, there are some things that need to be thrown out. The incident command will request garbage disposal uh, through the liaison uh, to the EOC because that's something the county sanitation probably can come by and do. Um, and so that's kind of a, a critical process or a critical responsibility for the liaison officer. Now, it's very important to remember that uh, even when there's a presidential disaster declaration, somebody has to pay for that garbage pickup. And there's usually a state cost share involved in that. And so when you process these requests for resources, you have to make sure that you keep the state emergency operations center involved and that they endorse the request before you push it up, let's say, to the federal level. Lastly, and most importantly, uh, the liaison officer has to give the EOC regular reports, statistics about what the Salvation Army is doing. Uh, Everybody hates putting together numbers, but if you're not telling the EOC, look, we're feeding 5,000 people a day, uh, it's pretty unlikely they're going to arrange for your garbage pickup that day. And let me remind everyone, the next podcast we're doing in the ICS Hendecagon series is on the finance and administration function. That's where all statistics are going to come from. Okay, Jeff, so these are some of the things a liaison at an EOC is responsible for doing, but what's a typical day for the position look like? What do I do first when I walk through the door? That's a good question, Christy. If you haven't started out um, on the right foot, uh, you may not get through that door. And that really means you've got to start out by making sure you have the right credentials. Uh, Most EOCs are secure facilities. So whatever the state or the county requires, you've got to make sure you pass that check and have the right identification. Now, once you walk through that door, uh, the first thing you want to do is make sure the person in charge knows you're here. Because remember, you're now going to sit at one of those desks, and if information starts coming in that's relevant to the Salvation Army, you want to make sure that that EOC operations manager knows you're seated in one of those desks so you can handle those requests. Um, Make sure you also network with the other agencies in the room. For example, if you're uh, there representing the Salvation Army, there's probably a representative from the American Red Cross seated nearby. Make sure you connect with that person because we do a lot of the same things, feeding and sheltering. 
we want to coordinate our efforts. Um, you also want to make sure that you understand their reporting procedures because as I, we mentioned before, those statistics are so important and the EOC probably has a very specific deadline for when they need numbers. And if it's at 9 o'clock, uh, you want to make sure you get your numbers in uh, at that point in time. I guess the other important thing to remember is uh, before you walk out, let somebody know you're le- leaving. There's nothing more frustrating to an EOC operations chief than to say, oh, we had somebody from the Salvation Army in that chair. Where'd they go? And then they got to track you down. Um, when you are going to leave, make sure you at least leave a phone number that they can get in touch with you off hours if you're not going to be immediately relieved by a second liaison. So with so much happening inside of the EOC, it sounds like our liaisons are pretty much locked up within those hidden bunkers for the duration of the disaster, right? Well, I think some of our liaisons probably wish that were the case because probably the food is better in the EOC than just roaming around in the field. Uh, But there are a couple other places they do have to think about and pay attention to. Uh, For one thing, if there is a presidential disaster declaration in effect, uh, while there may still be activity at the EOC, you also may be setting up what we call a joint field office or a JFO. And that's where the feds and some of the state people are going to come in to really control the uh, disaster relief operations. So you may need a liaison to head over to that JFO pretty quickly. And then there's VOAD. Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster. This is an association of charitable disaster responders, and most states have VOADs. You want to be plugged into a VOAD so you know what these organizations are doing. And eventually, once you go through the response phase and into recovery, a lot of the cases that slip through the cracks are picked up by the voluntary sector, and they do those through unmet needs committees. And sometimes a neighborhood will start its own unmet need committee where the the members of VOAD and the different organizations come together to see what they can do to help. Or sometimes a VOAD actually starts this unmet needs committee on behalf of the neighborhood. But all in all, this is a great place to hook in with other nonprofit organizations that are also doing many of the services that you're doing and to be able to coordinate with them. With all that on his or her plate, uh, the liaison officer is a pretty special person. You know, when we look at who we choose for these positions, there's a couple of key things that I look for. As you mentioned before, first, they have to be knowledgeable about the Salvation Army. If you don't have a good grasp on the types of services we can offer, what types of things are necessary to support those services, uh, you can't really explain that to an emergency manager. And a lot of time, that's what you have to do is educate the EOC here's what we bring to the table, here's what we can do to help you, and in return, here are some things that we need to make our operation run smoothly. Well, on the flip side of that, they have to know emergency management and to be able to communicate with emergency management agencies in their language. That means taking a lot of FEMA independent study courses on the side so you know the difference between an ARF and the NRF. Yeah, and for the uninitiated, an ARF is an action request form, and the NRF is the National Response Framework. Uh, in some jurisdictions, government officials won't even let you uh, through the door of the EOC without having a prerequisite number of FEMA courses so you know exactly what those acronyms mean. You're right. And third, Jeff, it takes a very special personality type to be a good liaison. You do have to be extroverted and a little gregarious. A good liaison is able to meet people and build strong professional relationships, sometimes in a very stressful environment. You also need to understand and respect the limits of authority. Be conscientious and thorough, but not overzealous. 
never make a commitment you can't fulfill. That's another big characteristic of a liaison officer. But Krista, you're not in this alone. Um, Our last point, and probably the most important, do you know who the liaison officer's very best friend is? Um, No. Do they get... What, a dog, a parrot, or some kind of mascot? They should be so lucky. No, actually, uh, probably the best friend to the liaison officer is your FEMA Voluntary Agency Liaison, or VAL. Now, once you get a presidential disaster declaration, and that's one of the keys that has to come into place before the VALs are deployed, uh, these are the folks that come on site and are charged by FEMA to work with the voluntary sector and make sure that there's a good integration between government responders and the voluntary nonprofit uh, uh, organizations. And so if you're running into a problem navigating this, uh, the disaster response uh, request process, for example, or you're get, having trouble getting plugged into those unmet needs committees you mentioned, go see your FEMA VAL and they can help you out. Well, I can see why a VAL is useful, but I still think they should get some sort of pet or a mascot. Mm, Maybe like, uh, well, Liaison is from the French. French Poodle? French Poodles, yeah, Pepe the mascot. All right, I think that'll close us out for the day. Woof! Wow. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Disaster Radio. We welcome your questions or comments. Send us an email at disasterradio at uss.salvationarmy.org. And remember, it's easy to support the Salvation Army. To donate time, money, or materials, go to www.salvationarmyusa.org or simply call 1-800-SAL-ARMY.